Welcome, welcome to the How Humans Work podcast. I am your host, Jeff Z, Jeffrey Salaji. So glad to have you here with us today. Season two is afoot and we are starting another journey into human nature. This time we're looking at the role passages play in the lives of my guests, the initiations, the transformations, the accidental, the intentful. Hold tight and listen in because we are about to journey into another incredible and beautiful series of conversations. Let's get into it. Here we go. Here we go. I'm very excited today to welcome my guest, Papa Kwan King. Thank you so much for joining us on the How Humans Work podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's a blessing. Appreciate it. You bet. You bet. I'm really glad you're here. Papa and I know each other. We've had a chance to get together when Damien brought you and some other young guys up to the mountains. And it was really amazing to spend that time up in the Sierras with you. One of the things that I really remember is how much it meant to you. I think you said I'd only seen a place like this in, in textbooks, right? Exactly. Never in my millions of years have I thought I'd be actually in, in the mountains, man. That's crazy. It was a blessing, though. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. I partly grew up in South Lake Tahoe, so the mountains are really familiar to me. But what was it like for you to leave the inner city and make that trek to see a place that was so radically different than what you've known? I'll just say it was life-changing, for real. Um, coming from the inner city, I've always been boxed into one environment, you know? Um, I'm just used to seeing cars, houses, and just the regular, you know what I'm saying? To just get out into the mountains and just hear those noises that I've never heard before. To see the animals that I've never seen before. To see the houses that I've never seen before. I ain't never been in a house built like the way the house we were living in at the time. So, yeah, man, it was a um, life-changing experience and it just gave me a new perspective on like the limitless that I can achieve in life. A little bit of the backstory of how we know each other is through our friend Damien. And Damien has been through some of his own adversities, and one of them included getting caught up in a fire. And when he was in the hospital, he told me that you were an important person for him because the way you've overcome your adversities, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I remember going into your home. I had never been into somebody's homes in the projects before, right? So Nickerson Gardens yeah. is a a government project in Watts. And I, I felt so humbled to come into your home and to meet you. And I wanted to say this when I was thinking about the podcast, when I went to Nickerson Gardens that day with my family, is I grew up in Southern California and there's a way in which I was subtly entrained not to drive into Watts. You know what I mean, I drove down all the freeways by Watts all the time, but I never knew or was brought or had an occasion to come into the community. So, you know, coming in with Damien and coming into the community was was different for me, right? Like, you don't know this, but part of my experience with being interested in supporting Nickerson Gardens as a community is because when I was a kid, I would hear about Nickerson on the, the nightly news when stuff was going rough. And when I met Damien and I actually had a chance to know someone who knew 
and was invested in, in the community there. It was amazing and very humbling for me to be welcomed into your home and to meet your mom and your sister and see where you live. You're welcome, man. With the Nickerson Gardens and the whole Watts community, I learned about this term in school, it's called, it's a single story, as they call it. It's just one story about madness, about violence, about the ghetto that people like you don't even want to, don't even want to associate with at all, don't even want to drive into. I'll just say it's, it's understanding of you to not want to associate yourself with the projects, but when you actually get to get down in the community for what to see what it really is, you can see like the the side that people talk about that make that makes it a bad community, but you can also get a new understanding of the community once you see the people who live in it. So I don't know, it just takes you coming in to see what it's really about. Yeah, I think that's really true. You know, it was having that opportunity and coming to meet you and coming to meet your family um, moved me a great deal. It moved me a great deal. And, and I think, I think if I understood what you said, right, that, you know, there is this kind of narrative yeah. around certain parts of inner, inner city life that don't actually match up with what it is fully. Yes, sir. And so in part of this process of getting to know each other, you reached out to me and you said, hey, Jeffrey, man, I got this thing that I am interested in doing, and I'm wondering if we could talk about it on the show. My honest, honest truth is I feel your interest and your strength coming forward. And so I said, yes, I said, let's get you on the show and let's talk about this. So let the listeners know what you're doing and what you're up to that you reached out to me about. Yeah, man, I'm just plotting on starting my own clothing brand to raise awareness of Jesus Christ and Christianity within the inner city because I know that the the idea and message of Jesus is is a good message but the people relaying it doesn't really resonate with the with the people of the inner city there being with them being black and like the people who come into uh, projects they're always white people so I think if we get somebody of color relaying the idea and message of Jesus it'll be a good look for the community and the, the religion. I grew up Catholic. I had some exposure to the Christian story, but you have a, a really deeper faith, which you were telling me about earlier in your relationship with Jesus and Jesus Christ because of what you've been through, yeah. right? So tell me more about this message that you want to bring and why you want to bring it? Um, the message actually stems from me actually being in a traumatic accident when I was nine years old. That cost me my arm and my leg at a very young age. So I just came up with a thought like, I was a nine-year-old boy, like I couldn't survive that traumatic of an event without the help of Jesus. So why not raise awareness of Jesus through clothing and through a, like, a universal idea in order to raise awareness about Jesus Christ and like put my name on it, put the name of Jesus on it and hopefully get people to come aware that Jesus Christ is a driving force in most people's lives that they should give appreciation to at the very least. 
at the age of nine, how, how did how did you do that? How did you have a relationship with Jesus? What was going on that that helped you? Um, honestly, then I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but as I came of age and became more mature, I began to realize that. I mean, how can I? How can a nine-year-old boy? survive a train accident me being that skinny that frail that little of size to survive a train accident on its own it's impossible so i knew that an out of this world force helped me and as i got older i came to that conclusion so i just concluded that jesus christ and the power of god helped me get through that so i just want to pay my respects and uh, raise awareness of uh, what you can do that's beautiful how did you survive it? What was it like? What'd you go through? I mean, I had my bad days for sure. Being nine years old, losing his arm and losing an arm and a leg, it was both mentally and physically challenging for sure. To in like the first six months of my energy, I was I was down and out, man. I was I, I remember crying for my arm, and my leg back. The physical pain of the throbbing of my arm and my leg it was something that no kid should go through at all so it was a bad experience in the first stages as i became more familiar with my new self and became adjusted to my injuries it got better it was it was an experience for sure that made me the person i am today so it's bittersweet because i'm grateful for it but uh it was a lot of pain to go through, but hey, I'm here. Yeah, man, that's that's a huge thing to overcome. I mean, or to adapt to. What, what language do you use? Do you use overcome or adapt or adapt for sure? Mm-hmm. What were the things that that you had to learn how to do that you never thought about when you had all four of your limbs? What developed in you? Um, I just had to learn to deal with people and to deal with myself in terms of people always staring at me, people always questioning, oh, what's wrong with him? People always questioning mm-hmm. why he's different from other people. And also myself just getting over the mm-hmm. idea that this is going to be me for my life. I'm never going to have my arm again. I'm never going to have my leg again. So I just had to embrace myself mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. what I became. And that was just like in your head, you just said, I'm just, I just got to do this. And you just set your mind to it. You did it kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. It took time, but I think I've achieved, I've I've achieved the goal for sure. What people don't know is, is you're a hell of a basketball player. Yes, sir. (laughs) So how did you start to find your way into playing basketball? Like, how did you that just kind of happened naturally like man i i do not know i i do not know i just think i'm just naturally gifted from from the man above so it didn't take that much adjusting from playing with two arms to playing with one arm i'm just a hooper i'm just i'm gonna get buckets regardless man (laughs) (laughs) how's your range how's your range you hit deep too limitless that's god awesome that's awesome. And this is part of your, your story and your inspiration. And you said you wanted to tell your story. And so I want to I wanted to ask you questions about, if it's okay, ask yeah. about this particular passage in your life. As you know, 
Season two is dedicated to the conversation around passages, things we we go through that that change us, shape us, reveal parts of us. And so is it okay for me to ask some more questions about this particular aspect of your life? For sure. Okay, cool. How did it happen? I mean, how did you how did you have a train accident? Okay, you want me to give you the full story or just a short rundown? I recommend full story. Yeah, go full story, man. Go full story. Okay. So this is May 2nd, 2013, and I'm in third grade. Third grade. I had a friend group. We used to always play. We used to always play with scooters and bikes and stuff. So one day after school, the, the year is about to end. Keep that in mind. So I just go home and I finish my homework and I tell my mom I'm about to go to the skate park to ride my scooter. <laughs> I lied to her, man. I took my uh, scooter to the school, to the school that I had just came from. Um, we have an auditorium in our, in our school that like houses like the, the toys or, or whatnot. We see some paper money, some some artificial money to play with, with like Monopoly or something. With the school being next to the train track, we just thought it would be a good idea to take the money, take the fake money, hop on the train, and throw it off and show off like that. So we decided to do that. Like the dumb kids we were at the time, <laughs> I guess. We get to the train tracks with our fake money, uh, wait about five minutes for the train, and the train comes, choo-choo, you, you hear the the noise of the, the train or whatever. And we thought it would be the best idea to wait for the train to move all the way in front of us so we could just hop on the back and like the driver wouldn't be aware of what we're doing. So that's what we did. Um, if it's about three of us doing this childish act, just this stupid thing. So one of them goes, the second one goes, they hop on the train, they get the joy ride. Cool, they throw the money off. It's my turn. I got my money in my hand with a long sleeve shirt on, with a black long sleeve shirt on. Keep that in mind, please. So I hop on the train. I'm riding for like a minute, I would say. And I just fall off. I fall off. Boom. I'm on the ground just thinking. It's just a regular fall that that's happened to me countless amount of times. So I get up and I fall back down immediately. And I look down and my legs is there. I look to my left and my left arm isn't there either. So my mind started racing. My friends start racing to to the nearest help nearby to get some assistance to to aid me in my arm and leg just being lost so help comes there they try to wrap me up and stuff with well, shirts i remember being wrapped with a white t-shirt my arm and my leg and this operation took about 10 minutes my mom and my brother were recalled at the time i vividly remember like asking my brother to help me up off the ground as my arm and my leg is just missing and I'm just bleeding out. Being a nine year old boy and being just a just a small figure. So I lay on the ground for about fifteen minutes, 
uh, ambulance has already been called. And I could you not, Jeff, man, the, the whole community came outside this day. I swear. The whole, I think it was like the whole of the Watts, to be honest, man. The whole neighborhood was outside to see this event. It was crazy. I'm on the ground. I get wrapped up in, in some white sheets as the, um, as the ambulance came. I just had the thought that um, I might not make it. I don't know what just happened to me. I don't have a full grasp on what just happened to me, but I, I know it's not good. So I get loaded on into the ambulance van. You knew your life was in jeopardy at that point. For sure. Um, this is actually my first time telling this story too. So this is a big moment for me. So I get loaded onto the van. And I remember um, the paramedic just constantly talking to me. And I'm just having a conversation with him as I'm literally bleeding out to death as, as, a, as, a, as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So that goes by. I make it to the next day. Or I didn't even think I made it to the next day, to be honest, because... I specifically mm-hmm. remember waking up from the first surgery to white lights and saying, am I in heaven? Am I in heaven? About five times. Because when I woke up, I just see shining bright light straight into my straight into my eyes and just waking up from surgery. And I just, I like, you've heard this story before when somebody died, they go to heaven. I, heaven is a light place, so I thought I was there. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty much the story. Um, I thought I died, to be honest with you, but I made it through. Wow, man. That's a big, that's, that's, wow. Oof. Crazy. It's my first time telling this story, man. I don't know. What's it, what's it like to share it? Um, relieving. I feel like I've let out some energy that, that I've been kept dormant for. What? 17, I haven't had the story since I was nine, so probably like a nine-year story that I have never told to anybody, so you're the first. Well, I feel really honored to know that, and and I'm just taking my time. Everything that you just shared or what you went through as such a young guy, man, that's, that's, that's a big deal, super big deal. It's crazy. I be seeing nine. I be seeing nine year olds running around the community now, and I just get the perspective of someone older looking at a nine year old, and just imagining like what, how much that can affect them. I don't even think a nine year old could. To be honest with you, I don't think a nine year old now could survive without survive. So, I'm 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 extremely blessed for what I've overcome for sure. You had no awareness that you'd actually fallen onto the track in some way that the train had it, it, it severed your limbs. No, not at all. I just thought it was just a a uniform fall off, just uniform hit the ground, get up. But yeah, would you say that it sounds like you'd been on the trains before? Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I have, and that that specific date of when I tried to do it again was just not in God's plan to let me go to get away with it successfully, unfortunately. 
And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, so you're nine, and you make a decision that, you know, changes your life. And you're not even, like, barely old enough to even understand the impact of your decisions and the consequences, and and yet it happened. And so you got this nine-year-old decision, this play kind of, like, cruising around the neighborhood, doing the fun things that you and your buddies were doing, and yet it, it had dramatic change of... of how you know yourself and how you live Man, in the world it basically opened me to a, a new life you know i basically lived two lives at this point what about the new life so we talked a little bit about you know the basketball side of it and mm-hmm. and the people looking at you and having to adapt to that part of people wondering like how, how did this happen what's going on you know um what what else came along with this new life? Um, just an appreciation for living, just knowing that this reality that we live in could be gone in the snap of a finger. You know, I try to keep a smile on my face for and everything I do. I try to lift myself up, knowing that this is like basically my ch- second chance at life. So I could, so I, I should just enjoy it for what it is and just avoid negative energy at all costs so yeah I, I just try to keep a positive spirit at all times now and i think i'm pretty successful in doing mm-hmm. so i see that it's been it's been my observation the times we've got to hang out yeah. one of the things that i noticed about you and in, in spending time with you is your incredible patience you know i noticed as a two-handed person that it's like you have each hand to, to, to combine with and all the time. And it's not something that, you know, unless you're in a situation like you are, one has to think about that. But I noticed, you know, for you, there's a, a, a deeper patience with the, each step of life. A- am I seeing that right? Yeah, exactly. You're seeing that exactly right. It took me, it took me about one and a half to two years of rehabilitation to just learn how to walk again. If that, if that doesn't speak volume, volumes to how patient I am, I don't know what does. Because I'm a little kid. I'm seeing all the kids run around on the bikes, running around playing tag, running around on the scooters that I used to love doing. And I just have to sit back and watch and be patient to build myself up again to do what they're doing. So, yeah, man, just taking a, basically like a year and a half off of walking made me a patient human being for sure. Did you have any kind of like hyperactivity before this injury? Were you a, like a, a hyperactive kid like me, like hard to focus, settle down, stay present, be patient? No, I, I never had no problems with my focus. And I was always a, a good student in the class. You know, I never had troubles, uh, trouble with my behavior. Yeah, okay. I was just checking to see if like it was even harder like you know to find patience but it sounds like you had a good groundedness in yourself and focus which is yeah. good nonetheless i think there's something really powerful papa in this the way i'm imagining it you know cuz it's i wasn't there it's 9 years ago now of this young young boy faced with this hardship and having to wait to walk to redevelop and and find the patience yes. that you're talking about are you able to describe that that part of like what was happening inside you in terms of you know were you were you jealous were you sad 
how did you self-talk your way into the kind of patience that you needed to get through it? Honestly, I never felt like a sense of envy for kids who who were doing the things that I wanted to do at that age at the time. But now that I look back on it being 17 and that event happening nine years ago, I can say that it was kind of a, I would not explain it, but I had an understanding that, I had a mature understanding that I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do and I had to wait being that young. So, I don't know, I just kind of um, kept the same mindset over time, to be honest with you. What mindset is that that you have that you keep? To wait on the things that I want to happen in my life. So that gets into that, that description of just being patient with oneself. What's the best part of that skill that you learned? How has being patient shown you something in life that maybe other people wouldn't know how to do or know how to see? It gets me through hard times. Having an understanding that things aren't always going to be the way that they are if you're in a bad time or you're in a bad space in your life. Things aren't always going to be bad, but you have to be patient and wait until the bad time is over and like the good time uh, comes up again. So just being patient in the things that you that you want, that you desire. What else would you say? I want people who are listening to know this is what I went through. This is what I learned. This is who I am now. Is there anything along those lines you'd like to add in? I mean, I've, I grew I grew up in the Nickerson Gardens, man. One of the one of the worst projects in in the whole country. So I've seen some of my friends become become gangbangers. I've seen some of my friends die as a result of gangbanging. I've seen some of my friends become addicts, mm-hmm. drug addicts. I've seen close family members become uh, victims of substance abuse. So. I've seen it all, and I've used that to my advantage in the fact that people are making mistakes for me, if that makes sense. So I know what not to do based off the things that they're doing that's making them go down the wrong path in life and lose their life. Yeah, that does make sense. I'm just trying to imagine your experience in in the sense of going through a physical adversity, but then going through a physical adversity in the face of the hardships that come along with the gardens, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and to be honest, man, I think it's a lot of despite synthesis to my life. So like, despite me having one arm and one leg, I'm still able to play basketball at my highest level. Um, Despite me growing up in the inner city and in projects, I'm still able to value my my education and value my future as a as a human being, despite being a product of an environment that doesn't see that next stage of life that they're so dumbed down to with living in the um, inner city. So, yeah, I think I've I'm able to overcome a lot of a lot of limitations that that really makes me the person that I am. 
you think that's been a lot of just the fiber of your own sense of yourself and how you've had to understand life? Or has there been particular people who have made an important difference for you to get to that despite place? Yeah, um, Damien, Damien for short, um, 6'4". <laughs> Man, when he told me that, when he told me that I inspire him, him being a grown man, like, I inspire you, so I should just keep doing what I'm doing to hopefully inspire more people, you know? I agree. I agree. Yeah, Damien inspires me too, but definitely, Papa, you are, your story and your your presence right now is inspiring me for sure. Thank you. Thank you for bringing, bringing yourself here. You know, one of the things that struck me in the story uh, of the day that you had your traumatic experience with the train is that the whole community was there. Yes. Everybody that was there that day understood what was going on and saw you and witnessed witnessed your hardship in, in the crisis moment. Yeah. And there, it might sound weird or wrong or strange, but there's a kind of beauty in that for me from the outside as I imagine it, that you weren't alone and that everybody everybody the community knew what you went through and was right there what do you think about everybody there seeing you that day to be honest um jeff man i thought i'm thinking they might they they for sure think i'm dead for sure like come on now now your boy just got hit mm-hmm. by a train you come out they came up to see a dead body jeff to be honest with you so, just me proving, proving, proving the world wrong. Okay, so I totally misread that. All right, I get that. So, so you think it was just the the kind of the gore factor and the shock factor and the kind of like morbid curiosity we can get into as humans that was pulling people out. Yeah. Well, my apologies for misreading that. In that moment. Was there somebody who was uh, uh, making sure you weren't bleeding out, tying up your limbs with the sheet? Like, was that part yes. of it? Did somebody come in and actually, like, stop the bleeding? Yes. This um, this is parallel to my appreciation for uh, Jesus Christ because the person who was actually wrapping me up with his shirt was, was a pastor that had, was driving mm-hmm. along the street next by the uh, track. And that actually came out of this his van to come to my aid to help me from stop from stopping bleeding to death. So I think he was a figure sent from God to help me that day for sure. So yeah, a pastor came to help me survive. So then somewhere along the way, your relationship with Jesus comes in and helps you make a greater sense of, of what you've been through and give you a sense of purpose. Yeah. Yes, sir. How did that happen? Was your family like already dialed into a church and were you already believing in Jesus or did something like else happen? No, we're not the most religious family. I'm not the most religious person, but I am knowledgeable enough to understand that I couldn't have overcome that big big of a tragedy on my own. So I knew it was it was an out out of reality force that helped me get through that big of a hardship in my life, being that young and being that small of a kid, losing his arm and leg. 
I think growing up in the Nickersons, it had it had its hard, hard, rough, tough, challenging moments. But I ultimately think, and I might sound crazy saying this, but I think it's a good environment to grow up in. Just having to go through the hardships. So it just makes you the person you are without without actually being handed something and, and not actually being comfortable in your everyday life. So the uncomfortability of the environment has been beneficial in a way to the person I have become, ironically. I have a deep respect for, for you saying that actually too. Because part of what I'm thinking about the passages we go through in life and, and particularly the stresses we go through, whether that's trauma or other kinds of adversity, is, is they, they help us become. There's a, a way in which without adversity, it's hard to actually recognize and realize oneself. And it's through the pressures. And, and so, you know, the high stress adversity... And, you know, let's be honest, injustice, racism and unfairness in our society that you've been exposed to, it's, it's just because of where you're where you live. It's upsetting. And then it's also um, amazing for you to say, and I appreciate the teachings that that has given me. Is my hearing you right? Yes. Yes, sir. I wouldn't. It being bad and being challenging, it being hard on me physically and mentally, I wouldn't trade the way I was raised for nothing. I wouldn't uh, trade my life in for a better life because I know this life has actually made me to the ideal person that I love today. So, yeah, man, I love my environment. <laughs> man. Uh, I'm trying to say something that doesn't have a bunch of vulgar based appreciations and like, damn, that's fucking yeah. tough as hell, man. I like, damn. In like academia, they're like, oh, we got to have stress positive mindsets and, you know, this and that. You're walking it for real, man. You're walking it for real. So lots of respect to you on that. I was watching this beautiful video today of this woman who's uh, got pretty intense level of cancer yeah and she was on america's got talent did you catch her video no but I, i've seen a lot of a lot of stories like that with people going through some hard things her name's nightbird and she sings this beautiful song she wrote it's just incredible and you know one of the things she said is not to define people by their illnesses injury you know that everybody is so much more than you know, our outward scars, our inward scars, and to kind of keep that in mind as she goes into it. There's another woman who I really appreciate. Her name's Claire. Her was Claire. I forget her last name right now, but she was dealing with a, um, it's called cystic fibrosis. And basically it's a, a disorder of the lungs and she only lived to be 19, but she was an incredible advocate. You can find her on YouTube for not pitying people who have diseases or have hardships and to see them as full, total people. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that for sure on on a basketball court because, I mean, like you playing against a player with one arm and one leg, you, you want to take it easy on them, you know what I'm saying? But 
I be telling people like, man, I'm I'm just like you. Don't don't play less of of what you would play if compared to a person who had all their limbs. I'm still a human being at the end of the day, so treat me like one despite me missing some body parts and then I'm still living. I've never asked you about your experience um, and I never would have asked you, you offered, you said you wanted to share it. It's his story. If he wants to bring it, it's his to bring, right? But I think that part of the hazard or the risk maybe of wearing an obvious, you know, life event like you have to, it, it is that kind of that pity side, that kind of people not knowing how to deal or, or still how to see the humanity and they focus on the, the, the thing. So we're sitting here, we're talking about the story of your life, the, the one that seems the most important, but in a way it's kind of secondary because here you yeah. are. When you reached out to me, I'm like, nah, this dude's not being patient anymore. I'm feeling your ambition. I'm feeling your, your drive. You're about to be a senior in high school and you're like, I'm going to grab onto this thing. And are you know, Jeff, are you down to support me? I'm like, yeah, damn, I'm down to support you. And, and so I want to turn to what I think is actually maybe a even more important story for you, which is this, this business project that you're about to launch. So tell me about it. Tell yeah. the listeners about it so people can know. Yeah, man. Um, me going through what I went through, um, me going through what I went through, um, I needed, I needed Jesus' help, and He delivered, for sure. Look at me today, I man. I got through one of the things that most people wouldn't, wouldn't get through at all, or it'll change them to the very least. But I'm still the same person, despite me having two less limbs than a normal person. So, um, I wanted to relay the idea of Jesus to the world to show appreciation to the to the man above, but actually get into my love for fashion. So I decided to intertwine those ideas and create a clothing brand to one, show my appreciation for Jesus and two, be creative with something that I'm very interested in in clothes. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I, I got from it is there's also this desire to inject a kind of positive narrative into your community and into inner city culture that, that, that that's like fashion, you know, that the man above is on my side, but also like alternate story, alternate possibility. I also think me being an inner city figure, me being black and me relaying the idea of Jesus and Christianity will be very refreshing for my community because we have people um, relaying the message of Jesus and people being Christian coming into the uh, projects relaying the relaying the message of Christianity but they are always they're always white you know what I'm saying but I think the idea of idea of Christianity is good but I think that people relaying the message now it doesn't resonate with the people of my community so I, I think if I can spread the message of Jesus and appreciation for God, me being black to other black people of my community. I think we can create a big, a big, a really big, we can create a movement for real, which is wearing clothes and just wearing Jesus Christ on our chest. 
So I think it's an amazing idea that I've come up with and that I'm about to release to the world soon. And what's the name of the company you're you're starting? North Heaven. North Heaven. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about North Heaven. Like how that come together. How's that telling your story? I think we should all strive to be our best selves, and I think we should all show appreciation for the man above. So North Heaven just represents us just being the best that we can, and so I think it all just intertwines together to make that amazing clothing brand name. Sweet, man. So how are people who are looking to support you, support your message, strengthen the story of their connection to, as you say, the man above or people who listen, who have a, you know, that sweetheart connection with Jesus and that, that belief. How can they get to know Papa? How can they get to know K1? I'm on Instagram at underscore dot young OG, Y-U-N-G OG. But I'm actually going to be uploading my business content on my Instagram, North Heaven Brand, that being the direction North and Heaven brand on instagram currently great great i'll make sure to put those links in the show notes so when are you expecting to roll out your first uh your first products early next month july 5th to july 6th is my target date that's great that's great i got some heat what else about north heaven man it's gonna it's gonna be great for the for everybody man it's gonna be affordable it's gonna be quality it's going to be trendy. It's going to be for everybody. So if you want to wear Jesus on your chest, come to North Heaven. If you want to support a black-owned business, buy from North Heaven. If you want to support the youth, support North Heaven. Definitely. You count me in on that. You know that. Yes, for sure. Sometimes on the podcast, what I do is I give my guests a chance to ask me a question. Because I've been sitting there asking you questions. You've been sharing your story. And let me just say, Papa, I can't thank you enough for, for trusting me to be that first place you decide to open up about what you've been through, man. I, I really, I, I don't even know how to say it. It's just one of the big honors of my, my life. Likewise, man. I appreciate the opportunity 100%. But, man, Jeff, I just want to know, how were were you nervous coming into coming into the ghetto for the first time? How how did you feel? Would you bring oh, your family? Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Well, so I was nervous. Yeah. So it was Christmas holiday break. I was like driving up with my family, feeling like where's the spot to be and am I okay? Am I safe? So yeah, I was nervous. That's reasonable. At the same time, I'm like, well, Damien told me just to show up. So I'm figuring Damien's not going to put me in harm's way. He's not going to set me up in a, a wrong situation, as it were. So I kind of had both the trust in Damien and the kind of nervousness of, I don't really know how things work around here or where I'm at or what's going on, except I'm supposed to be at this address. So, yeah, I was nervous. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. But I appreciate I really appreciate the the experience you brought that day, man. Making them bird houses was different. I ain't never did that before, bro. Yeah, man. We made owl, owl boxes that day. That's, That's crazy. right. It is crazy. It was good. It was crazy good. 
it's been really great having you on the show today. I said it once, maybe twice already, but thank you so much for bringing your story here, what happened when you were nine, but even more importantly, the ambition you're feeling and the direction you're headed. I'm 100% behind you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man, thank you. And I appreciate the platform that you have given me to uh, release my story to the world and release my ambition that I plan to embark on in the near future. So. I appreciate what you've done for me today, 100%. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. All music is performed by the incredible Chase Jackson at chasejacksonmusic.com. Please support this podcast by following us on your favorite streaming platform, sharing it with your community and friends, and by making a modest donation to our Patreon page. To learn more about this show, our guest, as well as Jeffrey and his work helping people make peace with their human nature, go to howhumanswork.us.